Welcome in to another new podcast from Codings Pro Magazine. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. Today, we're continuing our member profile series, spotlighting influential members within our association, particularly those with relevance to the protective coatings world and what's going on out in the field with coatings contractors. And one of those people is my friend Charles Brown of GPI. Charles, who you may know best as Charlie, has over 37 years of experience in the coatings industry as an industrial hygienist, performing safety audits, hazard assessments, air monitoring, as well as teaching safety courses for contractors, state agencies, and even the federal government. He was the operations manager for an industrial painting contractor in Maryland for 14 years. He's an AMP instructor for the C3 and C5 courses and is a past SSPC chairman for the Painting Contractor Certification Program Advisory Committee. He's also the chair of the AMP Standards Committee, SC24, Environmental Health and Safety Regulatory, and he's a member as well of Standards Committee SC25 for accreditation. He's a member of the AAS HTO TSP2 National Bridge Preservation Partnerships Codings Group and a member of the AAS HTO Domestic Scan 1503 Successful Preservation Practices for Steel Bridge Coatings. Charlie is now an AMP Senior Certified Coatings Inspector with Bridge Certification and an AMP Certified Protective Coatings Specialist. He currently works for Greenman Peterson Inc. Again, that's GPI as the Deputy Director of Coatings for their Columbia, Maryland office, where he handles public as well as private projects. Folks, as you can tell by that bio, Charlie's a busy guy, so I want to jump right into this. Charlie, thanks so much for taking the time. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, and thank you for that that intro, and I'm doing well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with our member profile series, this is where we talk about our members from the association and the industry at large and pick their brains certainly about industry trends topics of the day but also about their links over the years to our association at amp formerly some combination of NACE international or sspc the society for protective coatings of course those organizations merged in 2021 and in this series we talk about how the associations have benefited our guests along with insight on what we can do moving forward now that those organizations are under the amp umbrella as we move into the mid 2020s and beyond Charlie, I think a good place to start, I gave your career bio. For anyone who's not familiar with GPI and its space within the corrosion control and protective coatings industry, um, what does GPI do and what are the types of projects that it's involved in? Oh, thank you for that. Um, GPI is a, um, we're a leading multidiscipline engineering firm that has been providing professional design, architecture, planning and construction inspection testing services to all levels of government and industry throughout the Eastern United States for over 50 years. Our coatings experts and professionals, we have consist of approximately 100 coatings inspectors, professionals. We have a full service laboratory as well that does uh, coatings and uh, testing work. That's our GPI laboratories. And we also have a uh, an underwater, uh, underwater engineering service group that provides um, underwater inspections, uh, nuclear division that does uh, nuclear inspection work and nuclear power plants. Our coatings experts are, and our coatings inspectors are spread out throughout the United States. And so that we have people in all different offices all over the, the country where we can perform work and help um, with uh, clients in, in need of coatings inspection work, or uh, we also do failure analysis work and so forth. 
And you've been there about 15 years looking at your bio, correct? That's correct. About 15 years I've been with um, GPI. Um, I first started out as a, a area engineer for the Maryland State Highway Administration, working for GPI as a consultant. I worked there putting together um, all their um, paint programs for painting their bridges, where I did inspectional bridges. I did um, cuttings assessments, and then I actually put together the actual contracts for bidding, did estimating, and mm -hmm. so forth. And then in the end, went out and did inspection work with the code inspectors on site when the contractors were doing the actual work. Okay. So in terms of your overall time in the industry, I, I believe it's at least 30 years. Is that fair? Yes, that is fair. I mean, I started as a safety industrial hygiene consultant doing air monitoring on bridge projects back in the early to mid 90s. Um, and then I transitioned to work for a actual bridge painting contractor okay. for 14 years. And then I transitioned to come to GPI back in 2008 um, to work as a consultant. Okay. So what's been the biggest changes over that time, looking at this from a 30,000 foot view? I know some things are still as important now as they were in the 90s. There's also all sorts of brand new considerations that when you or GPI are looking at a project that you have to take into account in 2023. What are some of the changes that you've seen in this industry over your time in it? And what are some of the market trends that you're dealing with a lot today? Um, well, the big pushback when I first got into it um, back in the mid 90s was the, the, the new lead in construction um, standard 1926-62. Mm -hmm. which hit in May of 1993. And that really changed the coatings industry as a whole because of the issue with lead. And when you're dealing with structural steel, whether it's a bridge, a tank, you know, whether it's piping on an offshore offshore uh, work platform or, you know, um, petrochemical facilities and so forth, the lead issue came to the forefront. And that was a big push back then. Um, and so that's been around for well, May of 93 to 2023. That's what, like 30 years, I guess. Yeah. Wow. It's been 30 years. Dang. <laughs> okay. So, so it's been 30 years. Now that's changed a lot because um, now we're getting to where we're doing work on steel structures that doesn't necessarily have lead paint on it, but we're also having to still deal with, um, you know, the dust and we don't want to do open blasting because we have issues with um, fugitive dust and, and the, the EPA regulations where you don't do open blasting and so forth. So, you know, we're still involved in doing a lot of containment work, but the focus now has really been changed to volatile organic compounds, VOCs, mm -hmm. whereas we used to apply like alkyds that were high in VOCs and um vinyls that were really high in VOCs. We're getting to the point where like, um, from what I've been reading and, and hearing about, like in California, where they, they're not using any paint that contains VOCs at all. So that's kind of the driving force behind some of the coatings work that's being done out there. And then some other parts of the country are really like in Maryland, they have a, a, a pretty strict VOC um, limit on coating. So that's really changed a lot from when we were pa painting, you know, with, vinyls and and um other types of paints that contain voc so that trend is is starting to increase and get and getting bigger and so when we take a look at the 
the um, way this organization, not just AMP, but the whole painting industry itself, were tending to move towards uh, different types of coatings. And so that's something that everybody's looking at doing different types of coatings, using different coatings. And so um, it's something that's really going to be coming to the forefront, I think, in the future. I read off your certifications earlier when I was introducing you for this episode, and I'm imagining those are even more important now than they were a few decades ago, simply because as we're talking about these new coatings, there's so many technical properties that go into their application and whether it's a success or a failure. And of course, having the background in terms of certifications really makes an inspector, an applicator, whatever capacity you're in, it makes it all the more likely that you're actually going to succeed and that you have the background knowledge to know whether a given system has been installed appropriately. Why have you gone the extra mile to get so many of these certs? There's certainly some baselines that I think almost anybody in the industry has to have because they're specced out when clients give out a project or a general contractor, whoever it may be. But but you've clearly gone the extra mile in terms of the long list of certifications that we read off earlier, and I know you're involved as an instructor as well. Why have you really gone in on that as something that's particularly important to your career development? The main reason is is that that I can provide my clients with experience and knowledge based on um, my actual hands-on work experience, but also the training that I received and getting these certifications. Um, the big issue for me is I still learn to this day. I mean, yes, I'm a certified senior certified coding inspector under AMP, but I mean, there's different codings that are coming out that I have to learn and so I'm going back to school reading and, and looking at them, talking to paint manufacturers, understanding how some of these new paint systems are work, how they work and how they're applied. So that kind of experience in, in education never goes away. You're doing that throughout your entire career. So if you're a codes inspector, you know, you're not just going to be oh, I'm doing the same thing over and over again because you might get on a project where now all of a sudden you're using a, a coal tar. Well, that's an old product, but um you get into like a polyaspartic, which is a newer coating system, or uh, a plural component product where, you know, that's not something that was used a lot. And so you have to learn and, and continuously, you know, stay up on your game. And that's one of the reasons why going to like the AMP conference or the NACE or SSPC, whatever you want to call it back in the day up to today, always was very helpful because it gives you more information and more knowledge that you can sit in on seminars, talks, where people go in and, and talk about a project where they did a plural component application on this product, or they did a, you know, an application of um, some type of coating or wrap on a on an underground pipeline. Yeah. Um, so it just it, it gives you all this uh, information, and and again, as a coding inspector, you're continually learning, and that's one of the reasons why I continue to get the certifications and do the work that I do is to stay on top of things that are out there. Yeah. So two part question related to that. First off, what was your history with NACE and or SSPC prior to the 2021 launch of AMP? What were the things you did with those associations? And, you know, we can talk about the certification programs as well. And then the second part of it, 
what are your thoughts on, I guess, A, the merger, but B, specifically the education? You know, there's been a new rollout of the revised CIP program under the AMP umbrella that you were just touching on there. What do you think the combination and the modification of the program the last couple of years potentially means moving forward? Okay, so the give me the first question first. Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> your history with NACE and, uh, oh. and or SSPC before. Okay, um, well, my history with NACE goes back to 1996 when I got my, my uh, back then it was called your level one CIP. Yeah. Um, codes inspector certification. And then, um, so I would always uh, worked. I started working for a painting contractor in 95, got the, the NACE certification in 96. Um, the NACE certification is something that's been around for a long time. It's one of the things that, that NACE does really well is their coding inspector program and in teaching coding inspectors how to be coding inspectors, how to, you know, document, uh, review uh, the three things that you do in as a coding inspector and witness. The thing with SSPC was I got involved in that because that was uh, part of the um, program for the company that I worked for at the time was getting certified to our QP1 and QP2. Um, so we did that in 1995 and got certified to QP1 and QP2. And so I got involved with SSPC from, from 1995 onward because of requiring our certification and then finding out that then we had to do the, the C3 trainings and then we had to do QCS training or uh, quality control training for employees and to make the whole program work. And so I got really heavily involved in um, SSPC and became um, the vice chairman for the uh, painting contractor certification program advisory committee. Um, and then I also got involved in doing the C3 training through SSPC back in 97. And then um, I really was involved with SSPC a lot more than I was with uh, NACE. At the time, we felt that SSPC was more contractor oriented versus where NACE was more inspection slash um, a facility owner. Uh, oriented. So we kind of went with still got NACE publications and kept up on stuff that NACE was putting out. But we mainly were under the SSPC looking at everything they were doing for training. And uh, I got really involved, became a tutorials chairman, became the finally became the chairman for the uh, PCP advisory committee, um, helped work on the QP1, QP2, QP3 standards, revisions. Help put together the disciplinary reaction criteria checklist that's used for disciplining contractors that do things that they shouldn't do. <laughs> and then I got involved with the actual audit checklist, doing where the auditors come out and do the actual auditing of contractors, help with uh, putting together the checklist. So I was really involved with that for quite a period of time. So now the second part of that. What do you think about the transition to AMP and specifically the CIP changes over the last couple of years and how that program's evolving? So I can't really, the, well, the changes, um, putting everything under one umbrella with AMP, meaning the merger between NACE and SSPC, um, that's a good thing. The changes with the CIP program, I'm not that familiar with them. Okay. Because uh, I haven't been taking the CIP. Now okay, I've had enough. some folks, some folks that have taken it, and there have been some changes. Um, you know, they've gone to the exam where you do your um, 
your tool exam, meaning you're you're working with the tools, your DFT gauges and things of that nature in your level one course. That exam is done on site, but then you take an offsite exam. Um, so those are some of the changes that I'm familiar with. I've heard back from some people. The CIP class is is something that is not to be taken lightly. Um, it is a good course. It still is a good course from everybody that's been talking to me about that has taken it recently. Um, but it's a course where you gotta go in there and you gotta work. You gotta pay attention and you gotta do the yep. work. Um, or it's going to be very difficult for you. So I, I think it's still a very quality. It's still a good quality program. Um, and with that being said, uh, I know that they have the uh, CIP one and two, and then they do the peer review. Yeah. And uh, again, it's still a quality program and it's out there and then everybody's using it. And um, I think it's one of the probably one of the best things NACE slash AMP has out there. Let's talk about the merger as a whole then, because as you mentioned, you were clearly involved with both legacy organizations. Why is this combination beneficial and what are the strengths of this organization now that it's combining both the legacy groups? Well, I mean, the strengths are that you have one group that deals with coding's work, which was like SSPC. Mm -hmm. And NACE did some coding's work too, don't get me wrong, but you know. SSPC was more towards coatings, contractor, um, where NACE was more, um, you know, pipeline, offshore, um, corrosion engineering. I mean, of course, NACE standed for the National Association of Corrosion Engineers. So you're talking about a group of engineers and corrosion folks that dealt with corrosion specifically. Some of the things that, that, um, that were done, a lot of it, and when you start talking about getting into, you know, the some of the um, papers that were given at this past AMP conference, like microbiolo uh, microbiological or whatever they call, sorry, I'm not saying it right, but talking about microbes and coatings and corrosion and how they affect like steel holes from ships, you know, platforms, oil platforms out in the Gulf of Mexico. Those are all the kinds of things that you associate with NACE and corrosion engineers that work on on corrosion. So the merging of the two gives you the whole big umbrella of, you know, we do everything under the sun when it comes to corrosion engineering, when it comes to coatings application, coatings removal, um, inspection, contractor certifications, coating inspector certifications. Now we also have concrete. Concrete's mm -hmm. a big medium out there in today's construction world. And um, SSPC had a, a very good um, contractor coatings inspection program between the two organizations putting them together they have well over 80 i don't know 100 i've lost track on how many training <laughs> programs are out there now between the two organizations from the merger that will benefit facility owners contractors coatings inspectors um and they're just it's just a wealth of information that's available under one roof is there anything that we can potentially be doing better as an association or is there any, I guess, areas that we should be targeting as we enter the mid to late 2020s? So what what I have noticed um, is the two organizations are still working on merging together. Mm -hmm. um, it, it hasn't been completed and that might not happen for another couple of years. Uh, who knows? Because there's 
so much between the two organizations that had to right. be melded together. And it's right. You know, you have, you know, a thinking of to do do stuff one way at one organization and a different way at the other organization. So, you know, with that being said, I mean, you have some overlap, you have some bureaucracy. And so it's going to take some time to to straighten all that out. I'm hoping that it gets straightened out and then moves forward. Um, so and that's the only thing I can see that uh, there might need to be some some additional work done. I mean, again, both organizations have a wealth of information under all one roof now, which does make it um, nice for facility owners, contractors, inspectors or whoever to come in. And, you know, if you have to deal with pipeline or you have to deal with, you know, uh, a steel tank or offshore platform or a ship. You know, now you, you, you're kind of all under one roof. Mm -hmm. In addition to your work with the associations, you also deal with our publications team here at AMP, and you're a member of the editorial advisory group at Codingsboro, correct? Yes. Um, I had been um, working or dealing with the editor of Codingsboro, Stephanie Chiswick, for a number of years. Mm -hmm. She contacted me when I was still working at the Maryland State Highway Administration about having her to come out and take a look at a project so um i took her out and she got to go on a platform of containment got to actually see what the containment was like and walk the platform and see the coatings project you know where it was safe there was no abrasive blasting going on but so she got to see something a personal and close and then from that point forward we just had an association together where you know she'll ask me questions and you know i'll help her out with you know answering the questions or a couple years ago I, I did a little symposium at the conference on um on, on respirators and on and something else i forgot what it was and so we've had a working relationship for a number of years and she asked me if i would be interested and i was like sure i read the coatings pro magazine all the time i i find it quite interesting to read the various jobs that are highlighted and it's kind of neat so i was like yeah that's a no-brainer sure i'd love to help out why has that been so beneficial to you over the years? I know you've worked with Stephanie in some capacity long before being part of the editorial advisory group. Why right. is Codings Pro so useful to you and, you know, a worthwhile use of your time on top of, you know, obviously the responsibilities you have with your day job? Well, it's easy because, I mean, they highlight different kinds of projects that are out there and different products that are being applied, different cleaning techniques or you know, you'll look at a, you know, a, a job highlight in there and they'll have had a problem and they, they explain to you how they fix the problem in the article. So it's it's basically a resource guide to for me to see all different kinds of projects out there and all different you know types of work, whether it's a ship, offshore platform, piping, a roof. One of the jobs I read about was a was the roofing job they did, which I've never personally done something like that, but it was very interesting to read about it. So they have a multiple different types of disciplines in there when it comes to coatings work, all the way from, like I said, ships, offshore platform, bridges, tanks, yep. roofing, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's neat and you can learn from it. And if you ever come across it in your, your life, meaning your work life, then you've, Hey, I, I read about that. Let me go look and take a look at that again. And yeah. so it, it's a beneficial uh, thing. It's all part of learning. When we talk about learning, what would you advise to someone that's in your shoes from 
30 years ago. And what I mean by that is someone that's just getting started in this industry today. Maybe they went to you know the AMP annual conference last month in Denver. They're just trying to to sort of get their feet wet in the industry and really get started. What are some of the things, both at an association level and beyond, that you would advise any newcomers to look into or take advantage of as they try and get a foothold in this industry? That's a good question. Um, I'd recommend kind of the way I did it. Um, I found out that, uh, you know, I was going to be involved in this working for a, a painting contractor. So I went in and just started finding as much as I could. I mean, I would go to the conferences and then, you know, as well as I do at the conferences, they have all sorts of training available to you as a full conference attendee. Um, they have workshops, they have papers that are given. Um, my first conference that I went to was 1995 and I think it was Dallas, Texas, I think. And I must have gone to seven or eight different workshops about safety, about rigging, um, humidity control, um, coatings instrumentation, uh, and I just did as many as I could. And I just got involved in as much as I could. And then I started going to some committee meetings and getting involved in the committee is another way of, of getting in, getting your foot in the door and learning because you might not know exactly what's going on, but being in the committee, you hear things and you, and you see and learn by being on that committee. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is if you really want to get into it, jump in with both feet and just get as much information and do as much training, do CIP, you know, do your, if you're going to be doing a lot of concrete work, get your coatings inspector certification. If you're going to be dealing with lead, do your C3 common person for delaying of industrial structures. If you're actually going to be an applicator, then you're going to have to go through CAS and get your CAS uh, certification, which is your craft worker applicator um, certification. Um, again, you can do as little or as much as you want. Um, for me, I just went in and put feet because I didn't know any other way how to do it. That's Charlie Brown, Deputy Director of Coatings for Greenman Peterson Incorporated, based out of Columbia, Maryland. Charlie, before we let you go, what does the next few years look like potentially for you? You're getting close to 40 years in the industry. Anything yeah. new you're looking to do? Is it status quo? What does the 2020s look like for Charlie Brown and GPI? Um, well, for us, we are always looking for new and different projects. Um, for me, we just finished up a really interesting project. I was actually there today. It was the mm. working on a subway tunnel um, in Washington, D.C., okay. um, doing coatings work on a steel liner for that tunnel, um, which was something that at steel, steel line tunnels, so that's steel coating, I mean, steel that was being coated, um, similar to steel structure. Of just something different and so again the sky's the limit we we've done bridge work we've worked in um uh, we did a job in uh, a dam on a spillway we've done work on multiple bridges we do a lot of work on tanks steel structures um we have a cathodic protection division that's that's really getting into more um shipborne stuff and uh so the sky's the limit when it comes to the coatings work. Um, I always stress to everybody that is, if you want to get into this industry and become, say, a coatings inspector, or maybe even eventually becoming, you know, contractor, operations manager, start at the bottom and, and work hard and you will go places because this business needs people that are willing to get involved, 
work hard. We need the people like that. Hmm. For any listener who may want to learn more from you or GPI, what's the best way that they can do that? Uh, you can shoot me an email. Uh, my email address is cbrown at gpinet.com. Um, you can always shoot me an email or they can email GPI. We have a general email address. Yep. Um, but they can always email me. And if I don't know the answer or who to put them in contact with, I'll find out and forward their information on to somebody. And the website is gpinet.com for Greenman Peterson, correct? Yes. Gotcha. All right, folks. Well, that will do it for today. For Charlie Brown, I'm Ben DuBose, news editor with the Ant Publications team. Thank you for listening to this member profile episode of the Codings Pro interview series. And stay tuned because we should be back with more in the near future.